This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Welcome into the Game Plan Sooner Sports Podcast with Toby Rowland. I'm Chris Plank. We have just, as we tape this, wrapped up the Bob Stoops press conference. And we do have breaking news. How you doing, Plank? I'm good, Toby. How are you, man? Did you have a good weekend? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Game went good. Played well. Good weekend. I'm a little bummed. Why's that? Well, that's Samaje news. Yeah, Samaje P. Ryan out two yeah. to three weeks with a slight pull. I'll, I'll say this, and, you know, it's – you want to be careful with what you see and what you say because you don't want to get into the speculation game, right? And and you dealt with this when you were the sideline reporter Correct. as well, too. You don't want to come out and say, oh, they're looking at that, so it's obviously this because you couldn't be <laughs> right. further from the truth sometimes. We are not doctors. No. Um I was really worried about his knee whenever the diagnose or the doctors had first started working on mm-hmm. him. Whenever I later had heard in, in the Stoops presser after the game, and then obviously the news today, that it was a, a pull, a muscle pull. I got to be honest with you, Toby, I was pretty relieved. Yeah. Because at least in the way that he – I don't know why I'm going to stand up and do this. Because it's not Go like ahead. I'll like try it. to describe. Right. I'll do so play-by-play. As, as he was, Chris is standing right now at and, the and edge he of the was, couch. He was working on the side of his knee a lot. Like, like when the doctors weren't around, Samaje would walk around. He kind of, so He's rubbing the side of his thank knee. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I, this is a habit that I have. I do it on the radio all the time. I'll start mm-hmm. acting something out. That's no, why I'm here for you, buddy. No one can see you. Um, <laughs> uh, so from my perspective – I was really nervous that we would get worse news than mm-hmm. we got today. It's not great news. Two to three weeks stinks without Samaje. And then the realization that you only got a handful of scholarship running backs left. Suddenly what appeared to be a deep, strong position, Toby, is a I mean, I don't know how many fingers challenge. you got on your hand, but I think it's, I think it's far from a handful. <laughs> That's a good point. I, I think I it's, what, two? You, Do we, if we you, consider flowers, you three? You lost a fight with a saw blade somewhere along the way. Uh, okay. Good and bad of this. Well, there's no good. But (laughs) on the positive side, if he's going to be out two to three games, I think you would pick this stretch as opposed to the final three games of the year. Get him back healthy for Baylor, West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Who knows? But on paper, it it looks like that this is a, a stretch where maybe you can get by without him as opposed to later. The bad side is, and and there's maybe a couple of bad sides to this, is, uh, um, you know, with a pull muscle, especially for a running back, nothing's guaranteed. You know, um, you you think you're feeling pretty good, and then you get out there and you plant on it and you kind of retweak it again, and and we don't know what muscle it is. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't look like he's in a tremendous amount of pain or anything. We saw him on the sidelines Saturday and, and since then. But still, I mean, that's a position where that is, he needs his explosiveness, and um, you just hope he can. You hope he can get back to a hundred percent. I mean, the other downside is what you mentioned, which is numbers. No Rodney Anderson, no Daniel Brooks, now no Samaj P. Ryan. They're basically down to Joe Mixon and Abdul Adams. Now there are some things they can do, and, and those are two good options, by the way. Really good options. But first off, what do you, what happens if something happens to one of those guys 
or just from a depth perspective, you know, who's next? Um, Dimitri Flowers could carry the football if you needed him to. Obviously more of a bull in a china shop than somebody who's going to break free for an ADR touchdown, but knows how to carry the football. Uh, there's a little guy on this team named Najee Bassoon who I have an affinity for. I know. You brought him up whenever we did our very first podcast. Yep. He's five foot five. He uh, looks like somebody put pads on the equipment manager, but he is quicker than snot, man. I'm telling you. And we saw him in the spring game. I've seen him in practice a couple of times. I don't know if he's going to be a part of the game plan or not, but just be aware of him uh, going forward. Bob said something about we're going to evaluate guys on the offensive side of the ball to see if there are other running back options there. I mean, Dimitri's one of the guys he's talking about, but I kind of my mind started going like, who else are you talking about? Like, Michael Jones? I mean, are there some other guys who maybe if we started looking into their high school careers were also running backs in high school that are now wide receivers? Um, hmm. I don't know. That may be worth doing a little research on this week. One player from any position that you could put a running back and you think he'd be successful, who would it be? <sighs> By the way, as you think about that, he did mention Dimitri Flowers, and when he brought up Mark Andrews and Carson Meyer, those were guys that could probably play that quote-unquote fullback position that mm -hmm. Dimitri's at. But those, when he mentioned those, I saw a couple of people on my Twitter mentions that thought, Mark Andrews is a running back? Well, at the tight end at fullback the tight end position. Fullback. Yeah. So, so anyway, one I guy. Mean, I mean, the, first, the guy I said is kind of the first guy that pops okay. to mind because he's built – I mean, none of those tall, lanky guys like D.D. and Dahu and A.D., they're not running backs. Michael Jones is is an athlete. Yeah. I mean, he's built like he could do that. Y you know who I – I mean, they're not going to do this, but you know who's a phenomenal athlete in high school is Jordan Evans. But, I, I mean, they're he's not going to do that. He's a kick returner, man. Yeah, he was a phenomenal athlete. But they, they got to have guys who they trust to hang on the football first and foremost, and I don't think you put a linebacker back there and – I mean, what was the UCLA guy, though, that did it? Miles Jack. Miles Jack, yeah. So, Gave I mean, Teddy Lehman Hope. I think, I think, probably, they'll go Mixon and Adams and maybe some Dimitri Flowers in that two-back set with a different tight end, Carson Meyer or Connor Knight or Mark Andrews takes over at, at uh, Dimitri's position. And uh, that gives them another backpack. I think if if nothing goes wrong, they're fine there. But if somebody gets nicked up along the way, then you got to start looking around, saying, "All right, what's next? You right. know, what's Plan B here? Is it bassoon? Do we throw five a five out there and let him just run around like a water bug, or do we move a wide receiver over?" So that there will be some fascinating conversations take place in Lincoln Riley's room today. I loved that Chad McKee caught it and brought it up to you during the press conference show. But when Bob said, well, of course you love to have eight running backs, mm -hmm. but not always do those guys stay ha uh, happy. And it's understandable. You know, uh, Alex Ross ended up transferring to go to Missouri because he obviously wanted to have an opportunity yeah. to get the, get the ball more, which it didn't look like that was going to happen. Keith Ford. Here at Oklahoma. Keith Ford goes to Texas A&M where he continues to play. Daniel Brooks has to retire because of concussions. So there's three guys right there. Uh, Rodney Anderson mm -hmm. gets the neck injury. There's a fourth. Uh, Samaje goes down. Five. There's five guys, hypothetically, that we could have been on the roster we, this year. We have this conversation every, every spring about they got too many running backs. How are you gonna? 
how are they going to keep everybody happy? And every year there's a point like this in the season where two, right. three guys are nicked up and you're down to one or two and you feel thin. It's a position that by its very nature is extremely physical and lends itself to injuries. And, I mean, you just can't have too many in your stable. I uh, just pulled up the roster to double-check all the running backs on the roster. Make sure. Uh, there is two guys that we haven't mentioned yet. They're both – one's a redshirt sophomore and Anthony Shepard. Right. Whom I've uh, – I don't even know if I've seen him in uniform this year. And then there's Devin Montgomery, who's a freshman out of Leonardtown, Maryland. Time to get to work on those spotter boards. Toby needs to update his <laughs> spotter boards. You know, I, I, and you, you mentioned Keith Ford. I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about him. Yeah. You know, a, a guy that would, what, probably be a senior here? Maybe. You know, he, he might have graduated. Who knows if he hadn't had a retro year. But you want to have that full plethora. But it's a, it is a position by nature that lends itself to guys having opportunities to go somewhere else and contribute right away. And – you need depth here because, Toby, if there is one thing that resonated from Saturday, Joe Mixon's still taking shots, man. And uh, this goes back to the national semifinals last year against Clemson. He's taking some hard shots this year. He was absolutely battered around. You're going up against a hungry, desperate team on Saturday night in Lubbock. Yeah, he and he's already taken a few licks, so you got to be a, a little bit cautious with him. Though. I mean, you can't play – cautious but you at least have to make sure that abdul adams is ready to go 100 percent um well yeah absolutely adams is gonna have to carry the ball on mm -hmm. saturday night he's gonna have well first you know because one i think they want to run it a ton against tech i mean logically with the way what did west virginia run for 330 yeah <laughs> they had almost 700 total yards on them something yeah. like that uh oklahoma ran for 400 last year on mm -hmm. tech um so you want to? I mean, that's where they're the softest. I don't think they're great in pass defense either, but you can run the ball on these guys. And so, Joe can only do so much. Let's say, let's say Joe gets twenty-five carries, which I think is a pretty heavy workload for him. We saw Samaje have thirty-five carries in the Cotton Bowl. I would classify Samaje as a little bit more durable than Joe, especially if you're going to throw him the ball three or four times or use him in kickoff return. I know they're not going to use him in punt return anymore. But if he has 25 carries, that still leaves maybe another 20 carries. I mean, you're, if you run 85 plays against these guys, probably at least 45 of them are, are runs. You know, maybe maybe more than that. Maybe 50 runs against these guys. How many times did we run the ball last year against Tech? I'm did pulling, last up. Year's? I'm pulling okay. it up right now. So, I mean, I think Abdul Adams is carrying the ball a bunch. On Saturday night is my point. I, one of the predictions we made on our show, he asked for a couple of predictions in the last segment. One of them was that Abdul Adams runs for over 100 yards, and I'm really not even worried about that because I think Mixon will have a big day, but I think Abdul Adams gets double-digit carries easy, and I think he's really good. All right, so last year these two teams played on October 24th. Oklahoma put 60 on the board, which it was a, a relatively close game at times during the first half, and uh, the Sooners absolutely pulled away. They won it 63-27. to 27. They ran the ball 57 times. Okay, 57 for, rushes. For 405 yards. Does it have year. the breakdown? Do you have the individual stats 23 there? for Samaje, 23 for 201. Uh -huh. Joe Mixon had 16 carries for 154 yards. Okay. Uh, Baker and Trevor, quarterback run game, 11 carries okay. last year. And then Alex Ross, their third-string guy, Ran it six times for 23 yards. Okay, so if they run it 50 times Saturday, which I don't think is out of the question at all, 
then and 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 Joe gets twenty five. There's twenty five more carries out there yeah. to be had, and you know maybe Baker gets a few of those. But I, Abdul Adams is gonna have he's gonna have a chance to kind of burst onto the scene Saturday night. Texas Tech's rush defense, ninety eighth in the country, giving up two hundred and four yards per game, five point one nine yards per carry. So it's something that has well, and it's not anything new. I mean, with Texas Tech, it's been a consistent problem for them. Yeah, this is a fascinating week. I mean, this scare, it scares me a little bit because they were so bad last week against West Virginia, and Kingsbury came out and really just torched them, said he was embarrassed, he apologized to fans, alumni, every, the school, everybody. And and now here comes Oklahoma. And so this is kind of their chance to redeem themselves Saturday. Primetime game, it's Baker Mayfield, it's Oklahoma – I think he's lighting them up this week after that performance. Now, that doesn't mean that they're, they can do anything about it. Maybe they can't. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma doesn't take a couple of punches from Texas Tech early in this game. You know, this is, this is their chance to save their season. Yep. There, there's a chance they're not going to a bowl game they're if they trouble. don't win Saturday. Yeah. But if they could beat Oklahoma at home in a primetime game, Suddenly, everybody, including Cliff Kingsbury, looks better, and so I'm I'm a little worried about this one early. Anyway, can I veer real quick from Oklahoma? It's your podcast, my friend. It's ours, but I just want to mm-hmm. make sure I keep us on the Big Twelve path. Uh-huh. You started buying to West Virginia a little bit more. Yeah, they impressed me Saturday. Too. That blew me away. Defensively, to hold Texas Tech in Lubbock to 17 points is a feat. I'm confused by West Virginia. <laughs> But I'm more impressed with them today than I was Friday. That's for sure. I, you know, they kind of got lucky to beat Kansas State by one at home. Yeah. Yep. You you apply the, uh, what is it, the transverse property to West Virginia and Kansas State and Texas Tech. Those three teams have all played each other like the last <laughs> three weeks, and it logically doesn't add up. Right. So, but yeah, I think West Virginia is uh, pretty good, and they've got a fairly friendly schedule. The rest of the way, they got a couple of tricky road trips. I think they go to Stillwater and maybe to Austin, but they get OU at home. I believe they get Baylor at home. I've got it right here in front of me. And uh, you know right. they they probably are may well they might be considered the favorites based on schedule to win the conference right now. TCU at home this weekend. TCU that's an interesting game. TCU's got a couple of weeks to get ready for these guys. Wouldn't shock me at all if the frogs yeah, wouldn't you be. You know what? It, it's a, it's amazing how sometimes we'll forget about a team. TCU falls in that mode, uh, falls in that mix. I it was just two weeks ago that they played. I think what they had to buy. So you just you kind of forget that they're still sitting there at two and one. You know, they're not off the radar by any stretch of the imagination. And if they hand West Virginia their first loss of the season, right boom, they're right back in the mix. Yeah. Right back in the mix. Uh, and so then on the other side of it, Baylor who I believe is Baylor by this weekend. Yeah, they're by. All right, so they've got a brutal stretch work in here. But they they're Iowa gonna, State by Kansas by. So they're going to Texas next Saturday. We'll see. And Could then be a it's good game. TCU here, then Kansas State, Texas Tech and at West Virginia to wrap it up. Uh-huh. Brutal stretch for me. Well, they, well, they've got the I mean the thing about that is if the if you believe the three favorites to win this conference are Oklahoma, West Virginia and Baylor, which right now those are the three unbeaten teams. They've got to play the other two on the road. Baylor has to go to Oklahoma. they got to go to West Virginia. West Virginia gets both of them at home. Oklahoma is, you know, splitsy. they got uh, Baylor here, and they got to go out West Virginia. 
I don't have any idea how good Baylor is. Do you? I don't either. I have no clue. I, I mean, no the clue. only game of note that they've played is Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State. Yeah. And that was an odd game, and uh, that had a delay in it, and they ended up winning it, but you kind of felt like maybe Oklahoma State helped them out a little bit. They went up to Ames and trailed all day and f- kicked a field goal at the end to win it. So I don't know how good anybody is, and we're halfway through the season. Um, I guess we really haven't looked back too terribly much on what happened Saturday. Uh, Again, I I let two people that complain get to me all day long. But uh, as complete of a performance, I think, as we've seen, if not their best four-quarter effort, right? I think so. I think the most impressive thing about Saturday to me was that they didn't really give Kansas State anything. And Kansas State makes a living off of taking advantage of your mistakes. Uh, You turn it over, they make you pay. You, uh, they're going to beat you in the special teams game every week. And just like the Kansas State-Texas Tech game, you look up at the end of the day and say, we outgained these guys by 200 yards and still lost the game because we made mistakes and they didn't. And in the OU-Kansas State game, you really couldn't say that. OU took care of they, – they were solid on offense. They had the one tipped pass interception – but it came on the opposing 15-yard line, and it didn't lead to points. They still had to march the field and didn't on that possession. Uh, They were solid on offense. They were solid on defense. They were solid in special teams. Oklahoma just kind of didn't let Kansas State take advantage of anything, like they did two years ago when they came in here and Trevor threw a pick six and they missed an extra point. You look up at the end of the day and say, how do we lose to those guys? They didn't let themselves make those mistakes on Saturday. Oklahoma's better than Kansas State. We all knew that coming in. Oklahoma's got better players than Kansas State does. But you worry about Bill Snyder coach team, don't screw it up because they're going to make you pay for any anything you do wrong. And they just never let them breathe, really. They jumped on top of them early and, and uh, held them at arm's length the rest of the way and, and kind of cruised to a win. Never gave them a chance. You know, never really Not gave much. them a chance. There was that Saturday. one long one drive run, that they yeah. went on that you thought, uh oh, maybe they figured some things out, but no, I don't I don't think you ever felt nervous that that game was in jeopardy. Six o'clock kick, by the way, for the Kansas game a week from Saturday when the Sooners return home. I think a lot of us thought that might end up being an eleven AM game, but we'll take the six PM kick on that. Fantastic. Front. And good uh, for the Norman business owners. Yeah, it's great. That's great. Especially with the uh for the eleven Homecoming game. too. Yeah, and you and I we do a pregame show before the pregame show. Well, 7 a.m. pregame shows can be a little bit unique whenever you're you're inside a closed business. It's like, easier to get to yeah. Campus Corner. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> 7 o'clock in the morning. Yes, it is. I love this stat, by the way, that uh, Dennis Stats Kelly sent us as we uh, head down the uh, home stretch here of the game plan with Toby Rowland. Jackie Sandifer in 1957 scored five different ways with a punt return and interception returns for touchdowns. Joe Mixon has now done it four ways this year, including the 97-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. That was the fourth way. He's passed, caught, and rushed one. So maybe, you know. He needs a punt return. Which I don't think they're going to use him much more. He's not the punt return guy. Yeah, Didi stepped in and do it. Do you know who the last guy to do that in college football was? Five Uh, different ways in one season. Don't think too hard. He's still in college football. McCaffrey? Christian Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey. Last year he scored five different ways. I was trying to think of, like, the – the former Air Force quarterback is who I was going to guess. D, uh, he just actually passed away. 
Well, that's a real morbid thought, Plank. But uh, <laughs> D. Dows. D. Dows yeah. is going to be my guest, the uh, former uh, Air Force guy. But wow. So in other words, the point in bringing that up on Joe Mixon is he's doing a lot this year already. So now they've got to kind right. of dial him back a little bit. So not only do you look for depth at that running back position, but Toby, that depth of kick returner and punt returner. Do you think they well. put somebody else at kick return? It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if it's not Abdul Adams. You yeah. know they had they have they have him back with what Michael Jones, right? So it wouldn't surprise if maybe they just slide or up Jarvis. Adams or maybe a Jarvis Baxter. Yeah. yeah, we started seeing him a little bit more on just Saturday. to preserve the bones a little bit. You know, I think he's taken as hard a licks in kickoff return as he has run in the football this year, and. They're they're getting better, you know. A couple of times he got smoked a few times against Ohio State after his re, uh, big return. Are you looking TCU. forward to being on the sidelines at night in Lubbock? I've been looking forward to being on the sidelines <laughs> at night in Lubbock since I got this job. Uh-huh. Uh, both games that we played there have been day games. I think one was uh, correct. Go ahead, two thirty. Go 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 ahead. One was eleven. Okay. Um, but there's a little bit of nervousness as well too because. Nah. I love the fans in Lubbock. Love them. But They're they, behind the bench. They, they've got this date circle for quite a while Students now. are behind the OU bench in Lubbock. Mm-hmm. It's very they, close. They come usually prepared with items of food and uh, not afraid to fling them. <laughs> so uh, we'll get you a, a pocket full of queso and uh, maybe a construction helmet. You'll be good to go. Uh, Baker Mayfield was joking. He's like, we need to take some shredded cheese with us. So that way we can just have <laughs> Put a microwave on the yeah, sideline. Yeah, just have some quesadillas <laughs> on the side. Hey, real quick, what you think of Neville Gallimore? Made his debut with the media today. Impressive. I thought he was great. Impressive yeah. young man. He's played well. He's an easy guy to cheer for, man. I, I love uh, he has demanded playing time. And I know there's been some injuries on the defensive front, but man, when he's been given a shot, he's made plays. And now he started last week. I fully anticipate he'll start again. You look at, you know, Gallimore as a redshirt freshman and Amani Bledsoe as a true freshman, and you got to be pretty excited about the future uh, on the defensive line there. I said I was going to wrap up. I want to add one more thing because mm-hmm. I was talking to Mark Andrews about this. I don't know if we ended up playing the interview, but you can see it at Soonersports.tv or I'll air it on Thursday before Joe Castiglione joins us on the Tailgate Podcast. How gutsy was it to throw the ball in that situation? And, and again, we're not talking about you need to kill the clock to save the game. But they're up two scores. You can easily grind it out, at least kill a little bit more time, and yeah. maybe maybe cost Kansas State to burn a timeout or two. And just to, just to fling it, to get the 88-yard touchdown pass. I love that. I love it. I think Sooner fans loved it. Because any time a coach does the opposite of what everybody in a stadium is anticipating, <laughs> you know, you fake a punt on your own 20. You know, nobody oh. thinks that's coming. He He's on his own 12, two-touchdown lead, fourth quarter, about six minutes to go, and the obvious play is to just grind. And he throws an 88-yard bomb. Um, you know, and he had the halfback pass call in that game. And uh, I love the creativity of Lincoln Riley. And, um, I mean, I think it's – I think we're seeing a great offensive mind – Still in its early stages in in the sport of college football, and I hope we can keep him around here for a long time. I think it's just going to get better. All right, Toby, thanks for the extra time today. Look forward to – really look forward to getting to Lubbock this week, and it should be fun. All right, safe travels, buddy. We'll see you guys. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. (laughs) 